Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good everybody, with good everybody, Jason Jones of The Athletic. I am back and welcome to the latest edition of the Ruler of the Court podcast, your weekly Kings, you know, chat, chatter, insight, look into what's going on with the team. Again, I am Jason Jones, uh, covered the team full time for 12 years, uh, taking a step back this year, but I'm still following things, just not out there on the regular and grinding like that uh still want to give you some insight perspective on what's going on from what i know from the people i still check in with kind of give you an idea of what's going on with this team uh right now they sit at what four and four i think at this stage the season four and four given their schedule which has had some tough opponents can't complain too much about that but don't want to spend a whole lot of time going on about that. I want to get into what's gone on or what has been going on with De'Aaron Fox this season. Uh, he spoke after the last game. Uh, uh, that was Wednesday's win over New Orleans. And pretty much said he doesn't really get much into the whole, and once he leaves the gym, about how we play. Because basically... As he put, he basically fucking knows if he's playing like shit. He doesn't need to be reminded that he's playing like shit, which is a a dose of honesty, which is, and, you know, or he basically, I mean, I, I'm kind of paraphrasing. He actually was like, if he know, he's basically, basically say he knows, he knows if he's fucking up or not. So I kind of paraphrased for him, but hey, it is what it is. Um, And what, what you basically got going on now is, a young guy, not really a young guy. I'm not going to give De'Aaron the whole he's a young guy thing anymore, but he's still young. But you know, five years in the league, you want to see some guys figure things out. But I think they're the over. I think the start to the season for De'Aaron, which has not been good. Generally, there's been a big overreaction. I mean, I can't believe people are posting polls like, should they trade him after like fuck six, seven games? Are we are we really doing this? I mean. Some of the same people who are probably saying there's no way in hell the Kings should give up De'Aaron and a Ben Simmons deal are now probably saying they should give up De'Aaron and a Ben Simmons deal. It's kind of funny to me cool, because it kind of shows you how things kind of flip-flop, go back and forth. But here's what I want to 
kind of give you a different perspective kind of from the inside of what the team was is thinking granted no one wants to be you, you know wants the air not playing well but the fact the team is essentially treaded water with the air not playing well is a sign of progress believe it or not. it's a sign of progress and let me give you some numbers to uh to back that up not so much numbers about how he's playing but i'll take you back to last season and the team was in the games De'Aaron played was 24 and 34 in games played by De'Aaron Fox sorry about that random background noise if you caught that my bad but again De'Aaron was the team was 24 and 34 in games De'Aaron played in games the team is one De'Aaron averaged 27 points, 7.1 assists, 3.4 rebounds, 1.5 steals. Shot 79.8% from the free throw line. 50.9% from the field. Great numbers. You play that way for your entire season, you're an all-star. Or close to it, at least. But, you look at... The Kings, in the 34 games they lost with De'Aaron, shot 45.4%. Just 30% from three. 66% from the free throw line. 23.9.7.3 assists. So, you know, the stats, you know, even with those uh, poor shooting percentages from the three in the in the uh, free throw line, still getting you basically 24 points a game, and they're still losing. Now, I want to take you to this season in the Kings' four wins. De'Aaron's shooting just 42.9%, um, 65.2% from the line, 21.8 points per game, seven assists. In the losses... And this is probably predictable. 14 points, 6 assists, shooting 33% from the field. 10.5% from 3 in the losses. 58.8% from the foul line. And why am I bringing all this up? To me, it's not so much about the, the averages in the losses this season. It's in the wins. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Y'all. My computer is tripping. Yeah. If you caught some more background noise, I don't know what's going on today. But the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, a season ago, you basically need to, you needed De'Aaron to be an all-star to be competitive and to win games. And right now, they're, you know, for they're winning games where he's just okay. And to me, that speaks to a couple of things. Let me tell you this right now. Uh, a year ago... This team had no chance to win a game where De'Aaron scores 20 points. This almost was not possible. But they're at a point. They're at a point now where they can win some games, and that's a tribute to the play of people like Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, the fact that they've added some depth to help improve the defense. You know, whether you talk about Alex Lynn, talk about having Mo Harkless for the entire season, whether you're talking about just like I said, Rashawn Holmes, Davion Mitchell. This team is much more equipped to deal with the ups and downs if De'Aaron is struggling, which is a positive. So I, and, and in the midst of all the uh, 
you know, the panic and, and oh my God, De'Aaron struggling, what's wrong? Will the team f- fall and fold? I say pump the brakes on that because the fact the team has still won four games <laughs> with De'Aaron really having not played well in most of the games is a sign of progress. One part of that is the is the depth the team now has. Another part of that goes back to the fact the team is playing better defense collectively. And so on those nights when things aren't going well, you can fall back on some defense, then you can make some things happen, then you can you know be competitive. So I see this stretch for De'Aaron right now. I, not, not, not the stretch is not positive, but I do believe the fact that he they are able to kind of hang in there. Like I said, no, like I said, be at four and four, which is, you know, not great, but, you know, hey, eight games in, no, no reason to panic. I really actually like where the Kings are right now because they now have... At least at this stage of the game, they have the ability to withstand De'Aaron not playing well. And that's a step in the right direction for this team, this franchise. And something that's sorely that's been sorely needed <laughs> over the years is because in a lot of cases, again, like I said, De'Aaron had to average 27 points and shoot 50%, almost 51% for them to win games last season. And do I expect De'Aaron to continue to average 14 points a game in losses? No. I think he'll he'll figure this thing out. But some of the theories as to what's been wrong with De'Aaron have been fun to follow. Whether it be he's still dealing with COVID, is he too heavy, all type of stuff. He that me, you know. All that said, I get why everyone's been throwing their theories out there because we really didn't know what was wrong with him. He didn't look like himself. You saw De'Aaron, you see him missing layups, all type of stuff. But perhaps this game on Wednesday will be something for De'Aaron to build off of. Played 38 minutes, had 19 points, 8 of 14 shooting, 5 assists, 2 rebounds. Maybe that's something that he builds on going forward. And so, like I said, I'm just here to tell you, if you, if you know people within the Kings organization, are they excited that De'Aaron struggled? No. But they do like the fact that they've got enough to still eke out some wins here and there, even if De'Aaron's not at his best. And like I said, to me, that's definitely a step in the right direction for the franchise. And like I said, something that they can look at and be positive, feel, feel good about. They're not satisfied, but just feel good that, hey, they now know that, shoot, we've got just enough maybe against, you know, you don't want to do this against the best teams, but on some nights where things just aren't going well, you've still got enough to hang in there and kind of just hang around and be in contention. And for those of you who are, for whatever reason, obsessed with the standings right now, the Kings are eighth in the West. I really don't give a damn, but a lot of people do. You know, I you played ten percent of the season. This is like in the NFL, wondering who's in first place after two games. Who cares? But 
this you know that they, it's not like they're a New Orleans team which is one and eight. I mean, or a Houston team that's one and seven. I mean, the bottom has not fallen out on these guys. You know they, you know they still got some work to do. Obviously, uh, their point differential is still in the minus minus one point two. There, but hey, right the early stage of the season, there's a lot of teams who are in that boat right now. Some teams are blowing people out; other teams aren't. Like I said, it's early, so I hope I've helped you quell some of your De'Aaron panic. Just because I just think it's utterly ridiculous that people get so worked up. Eight. Nine, ten games into the season. So, moving on, I want to touch on one other Kings-related thing before I get out of here. Uh, my colleague at the Athletic, John Hollinger, wrote something very interesting the other day. He's very, very high on uh, a Mister Rashawn Holmes, and. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, clearly there's a lot of reasons to be, um, you know, why people like Rashawn, but he he puts it out there that he thinks essentially Rashawn is basically, possibly, he's looking like an all-star to him. And am I going to jump that far? No. I'm not going to go there. I, you know, but I want to... Uh, I want to basically read a little bit of a Hollinger's piece from The Athletic. Uh, and kind of, get, you, know, you know, he says, he, he basically said, explains the importance of, uh, of Rashawn Holmes. He says, quote, he's superficially a, quote, nice player to most, averaging 15 points and 10 rebounds and shooting short-range floaters that are just funky enough to be sort of interesting, but not anybody's idea of a star. However, there's an efficiency here that gets lost. He's shooting 68.2% after making 63.7% a year ago. Unlike most bigs, he's a good foul shooter, and he's confident enough from the elbows to average nearly two assists for every turnover. Overall, he's not the classic stretch big that everyone clamors for these days, and he's not a major low pro stat, and he's not an awesome... Oh, I'm sorry. I got all type of stuff going off. That is my iron in the background, but I digress. <laughs> He's just he's just kind of good at a lot of different stuff. The type of subtle skill set that would get lost in, that would get lost in the shuffle, even if he played in New York. And it all adds up. And he's 11th in, in the league in PR, just ahead of Anthony Davis. Really, yes, really. So, and here's another thing to remember: uh, the Kings were 29 and 32 when he played last season, two and nine when he didn't. So, you know. Now, just just interesting to hear a national perspective on the importance of Rashawn Holmes. I think everyone in Sacramento knows how important Rashawn is, but wanted to share that with all of you. Kind of give you guys a perspective on another thing that's actually, I think, is going well for uh, the Kings this season. Like I said, you know, early on, I mean, you can't ask for much more, you know, and if Rashawn keeps this up, Rashawn is going to prove to be I'll be one of the bargains of free agency. You know, that for that four years, 55, it's going to look pretty damn good if he remains that important, that effective. And he may be the Kings, maybe not the best player, but he may be the most valuable, most important. So keep an eye on that. 
see how things go. And I do have some music to talk about with you guys. But before I talk music, you know what I got to do, y'all. We're going to take a break for these special words from the people at DraftKings. The NBA is back and at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA, the key to victory is a strong starting five. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So why not make your roster Washington, 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 no, oh yeah, Washington. <laughs> DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same game parlays combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout the more legs you add the more money you can win DraftKings is safe secure and reliable best of all you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want so download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code tbpn bet just five dollars on any nba team to win their game and win two hundred dollars in free bets if you win with the promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA, must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now back to the show. Okay, folks, before we get out of here, uh, you know, uh, recently Halloween was, you know, was last weekend, and I want to take a trip down memory lane music wise. That is the anniversary, God, I'm old, the 30 year anniversary of the release of what I think is probably Ice Cube's uh, best album of all time, uh, Death Certificate. So we're gonna do a little another you know West Coast dive, look back in the day, and just kind of look at what made this album essentially one of the best. I guess I think it's Cube's best work. One, I think we look at the timing of it to come out in 1990 in 1991. At this point, NWA has already dissed Cube publicly. And also at the same time, Cube is undergoing some other kind of personal changes. The Jerry Curl is cut. You see the Nation of Islam around him. You see, you, you know, he's becoming a little, a lot more political. Not that he wasn't with NWA, but there's a different tone to it. And then you have the album cover. You know, the feet, uh, the toe tag with Uncle Sam on it, and an American flag over the body. So I mean, just probably one of the more memorable. Uh, <laughs> album covers ever and like also talking about the climate of 1991 but at this point we've we at this point we'd seen the uh videotape beating of rodney king you know the uh the trial hadn't happened yet but you had seen just you know after the whole fuck the police nwa era you now had that on video for people to see and there just had been you know the death of latasha harlan's was another thing that had been going on and if you don't know about Latasha Harlan's I would encourage I'm not gonna give you the whole history 
but I would encourage you to um, go ahead and Google it. And, you know, I'll give you a quick little summary. She's a 15-year-old black girl who was um, shot and killed by a Korean-American convenience store owner. She was convicted of, uh, she would later be convicted of a voluntary manslaughter. And her her 10-year sentence was suspended, which, of course, pissed us all off because she shot a girl over basically a bottle of juice. Some, some just, the girl, Latasha, did not, should not have died over that. So, you know, that, 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 that was all a part of the, uh, kind of the, 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 the background of death certificate, you know, uh, dropping and, And so when this album comes out, um, to this point, you know, essentially uh, me being in Southern California, if I can tell you, there's a lot of tension in Southern California, like I said, between Rodney King, Latasha Harland. You got gang tension, tension between the community and the police, a lot of shit going on. And this album drops and Cube is coming off of America's Most Wanted, which is uh, deemed a classic by the source. And it's like, how do you follow that up? He followed up with a concept album of the deaf side, a vision of where we are today, and the life side, a vision of where we are, we need to go. And for you youngsters, you may not realize back in the day when we played tapes, you had to flip, you know, either the tape automatically flipped over on, you know, internally, or you had to flip the tape over yourself to hear this, you know, that's how you got deaf side, life side. But not going to walk you through the entire album, but want to highlight some things on there that I think are still poignant. To and what made this album so great you look at uh, my summer vacation third track you know the story of how you know you see you see a little bit of this in the tv show uh, snowfall you know just the the story of how the uh, crack drug game in la spread across the country and how how uh, people in la who for whatever reason had to get out of California, went to different parts of the country and brought that game with them, wherever the case may be. And on this song, you know, he took he took his drugs to St. Louis. So you got that. And then you got the next song, Steady Mobbing, the single from the uh from the album, the first single, and this song made me want to get a car so bad so I could play this song loud while I drove around town. And eventually I did that. So, goal achieved. And then I, you know, skip through, you know, another song that takes you kind of to the mentality of the struggle, a bird in the hand. Probably, I, I don't know if I, I think this is one of the more underrated songs on this album. You know, because this, this is like peak storytelling of Cube. Uh, Cube at his best is one of the best storytellers ever. And Bird in the Hand, followed by Man's Best Friend, uh, takes you through that. Then that side eventually concludes with the uh, interlude for death. Then you get to the, right after that, you get Birth, which is obviously the intro to the life side. And again, like I said, I want to get into, and then, cause this album was very controversial, by the way. Cube was labeled uh, anti-Semitic, uh, anti-Korean, uh, a lot of things. <laughs> with this album so I'm not, I'm not gonna get into all every song but i can direct you to but uh 
the song uh the song black korea to me was a direct response to latasha harlan's death and uh, i almost i don't know the word is ironic it's not ironically but the song proved to be a precursor to the 92 riots well he has a line you you know i'm going to paraphrase it you know pay you know respect the community or we're going to burn your store down and it, it was um well, while it was taken through the media and, and, and the general public as a threat, it should have been a, seen as a warning. And maybe people should have taken it seriously because uh, Mark, I'm a witness. Uh, the city burned in April uh, of, of, two, of 1992. But I'm going to fast forward to the end to the song No Vaseline because No Vaseline, quite frankly, is the greatest diss song ever recorded. Yeah, I said it. I know about Ether. I know about, you know, Dollars and Cents. I know the all the great diss songs. This is the greatest diss song ever, and I'm going to tell you why. Number one, this was like real tense beef. I mean, there had been physical altercations, you know, you know, between, you know, Q's crew and NWA. And to go into the studio and put this on your album, you know, we didn't have the same mixtape game back then. Sometimes maybe some stuff got, you know, you know, we had underground tapes or people would leak it to the radio. But to put this on your album, take an entire group, line them up one by one and knock them down was quite damn impressive. And this and so to me, No Vaseline remains the greatest diss song ever. So y'all remember that when you uh, talk about some, you know, rap beef and all that, if you're gonna rank diss songs, no Vaseline remains number one in my book. So that's all I got. I just wanted to kind of revisit that album. I was gonna look at E40's The Hall of Game, which was also uh, celebrated an anniversary of 25 years. I may revisit that next week. I don't know. I do live in Vallejo, California, which is E40's hometown. So may revisit. Maybe 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 we'll do that. We'll see. So. Get at me on social at Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. Twitter, uh, that's Twitter, uh, Instagram, Mr. Jones LBC, theathletic.com for the stuff I write. Y'all know it, yo. It's, uh, Culture Calculus, my uh, non Kings podcast, the Yes I'm Watching Wrestling podcast, my wrestling podcast that I drop maybe about twice a month. So, y'all be good out there. Y'all be safe. I will holler at all y'all later. I'm out. Peace.